Welcome back to the Red Sector, a podcast about speedy motorbikes. I am your host, Matt Plansky. With me, as always, are my co-hosts, Josh Wilson, Bono GP. couple quick housekeeping notes. Please be sure to follow and subscribe. And I said that in the wrong order. Uh, follow us on Twitter. Subscribe on your podcast app of choice. Leave a five-star rating review if you can. Uh, it really does help. So, uh, Josh, how are you doing today? I'm great. Very excited uh, for obviously what you're about to say. So, yeah, just, just ready to crack on. You know, it's it's kind of the mid-season break, so it's been a bit kind of lackluster at the moment in terms of news and energy and pace. But I think we're bringing it back tonight, so it's all good. Yeah. How about you, Bono? Yeah, I'm good. Same as Josh. I'm just well. The the floor is yours, Matt. Move on from me. <laughs> so. We are very excited tonight to have our first ever guest. You know this person from their play-by-play work during the Moto2, Moto3 practice sessions, Red Bull rookie races. He is part one part of the Last on the Breaks podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, Matt Dunn! <laughs> Thank you so much. I, do you know what? I don't think I'm ever going to get a better intro than that in my entire <laughs> life. I, I probably need to actually like... I were to ever do something again i'd hire you to do it just like that because <laughs> then people would actually think i'm some kind of a big deal maybe well us, so, you are no but I'm, I'm very i'm very honored to be your first guest so thanks thanks for asking me i appreciate it yeah no problem so uh before we get to have you know some of the interview questions we're going to turn the tables on you and ask yeah. you some quick fire questions oh great awesome i'm <laughs> so, not prepared for that at all all right sweet so we have a couple some of them are a little jokier than others. Um, <laughs> I'll start. Josh will go second, and then Bunno third. Sure. So first question, kind of maybe an easy one: four wheels or two wheels? Two. Two. Yep, straight away. No questions asked. Always, ha- <laughs> not, always has been, even, always will be. Not yep. even an explanation. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> no, no explanation needed. No, no. I respect. By the way, like I'm happy to. I really enjoyed F1 at the weekend. Silverstone. I don't know when this is going to come out, but well, it's like fairly recent to that. F1 at Silverstone right. was fantastic racing. I yeah. am severely pissed. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> Wearing the Red Bull shirt Definitely. there. So yeah, I mean, no, just great racing. So, but bikes always has been, always will be. Yeah. The drive. Right, so for me, it's a uh, Grand Touring or purpose built. Which do you prefer? Um. I've never watched either, but it would, I guess I would say like, well, I don't, I've got to be honest, I don't know what Purpose Built is. <laughs> well, like, go with MotoGP is, yeah, MotoGP is Purpose Built, World yeah. Superbike would be Grand Touring. Oh, okay. Um, so you mean hmm. more prototype or stock kind of thing? Like, uh, yeah, pretty you much. Got, you got, ah, I got, oh, sorry, I thought, I thought you meant like TV shows. I thought you meant Grand Tour, no. as the Grand Tour of the Amazon show. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm um, just reading the quick fire questions. So. Oh, do you know what? It's... Do you know what? Um, Grand Grand Tour, like, yeah, the World Superbike option, Grand Tour for me. That's it. I, I, my first love is sort of, it's, it's like superbike racing and production machinery. So I love Grand Prix and, and uh, prototype machinery, but my first love was, was, uh, was out of the factory. Right. Okay. So mine is more dependent on a either which era you grew up or like whether you enjoy more so the era you're working in now. So mine would be uh-huh. Moto three or one two fives. Um. So obviously you got that Moto two three, Moto five, three in but... general, Moto Moto three in general. Um. 
the two stroke thing uh, yeah i i grew up just sort of i'm from i was born in 1994 so out of that era is not my um i'm not one of the people who's pines for the two strokes back i don't really care um like <laughs> I, i'll just get me some really fast engines efficient engines the best of the best that they can produce right now if that were to be two strokes fantastic but as it's not right now then i don't really care but motor three lately um motor three i, I definitely prefer over one two fives um but lately it's been a bit too scary so um mm. maybe if you are mm-hmm. maybe if it continued in that sort of way by the end of the season i might be saying to you bring back one two fives yeah <laughs> Uh, all right, so next one, Coke or Pepsi? Uh, Pepsi. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, I don't, I don't drink fizzy drinks in general. Um, but yeah, I don't, I never really like Coke. Coke wasn't my thing, but Pepsi, I, mm. I do like a cold Pepsi out of a can. Okay, interesting. Um, next one is two stroke or four stroke. Uh, indifferent. I gotta say, uh, like I yeah. love the sound of a two-stroke. I've been to Goodwood Festival of Speed a few times. Love it, absolutely amazing. But at the same time, the smell of a two-stroke as well. Yeah, the smell. At the same time, if you sent a four-stroke bike down the straight of Bajello over that crest, I'm so happy. Yeah. So my next one is basically on from the ne- the previous one being Moto Two or Two Fifties. Um, whew, do you know what? Because they're they're uh, a lot, you know, I've they're got... a lot more different than One Two Five or Moto Three. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, because the because the category as well and like the actual style of racing, I prefer Two Fifties. <laughs> Uh, but Moto Two, like Moto Two, actually probably one of my f- is. Do you know what? I reckon I would say I care more about Moto Two than I care about any other class. Um, mm. yeah, I'm more invested in it just because the stories up and down the grid. It's rarely ever the most exciting racing in terms of down to the flag. But uh, like I, I was looking through the championship standings before I came on, and like the whole every single rider on there has just got a fascinating story of their own struggles they're going through, and I genuinely care about yeah. all of them. So so I love I love Moto Two, but I do prefer yeah uh, just down to the. The notion of just the race itself, 250s. Okay. So uh, this next one is a play on a question you ask on last on the breaks. Okay. You ask coffee or tea. I mm. ask iced or hot. Uh, hot. Hot, got to be. Because I, I, I live off coffee. I have like three or four a day. My other half <laughs> bought me a, a, um, a milk foma as well, which has just changed my life. So yeah, if the milkman <laughs> brings the milk, I put it in the milk foamer and make myself like a, uh, even wow. though it's just instant coffee, just a um, uh, like a, ca- a cafe style coffee there with instant, and it's like, oh my god, I feel so prestigious. <laughs> uh, next one from me is this is quite an interesting one actually. Inline four or V four? Oh, mm. quite V four, V four, V four, because I prefer the sound. I prefer yeah. the sound of it. Yeah. For sure, <laughs> wasn't so tough after all. Five hundred CC or a thousand CC, so effectively the five hundreds or modern day. Uh, yeah, I mean, let's let's say a thousand CC. I mean, just look at the lap times, what they're doing now. Like that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm most passionate about. I, I, you know, if one of the questions is, are we in the golden era? Yeah, yeah, we are. Machinery and and riders. Okay. And I think this is the most important: orange sectors or red sectors. <laughs> red sectors, obviously. Where are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Who chose the name? Uh, that was you... me, actually. Really? Yeah. Yeah. I just, I, nice. I don't know. It was just one of them kind of brainwaves I had when watching it. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, oh, what could what could be a podcast name? And I think it was qualifying, and I was, I saw that uh, probably quarter hour doing some red sectors, and I, th- I thought, 
That's a good name for a podcast, actually. Yeah. Red Sector. That's really yeah, good. Fair, fair um, play to you, because like uh, with with F with F one and things like that, I've been I've played a hand in in naming a lot of different series and things on on MotoGP over the last like five years, hmm. and it's getting harder and harder and harder to actually yeah. name things because F one's got it and things like this. Like we we start yeah. doing a, a thing called the Inside Line this year. Um, like I've not done any since because of time restraints and things like that to like promote the Last in the Breaks podcast. Buddy Sky hmm. F1, Sky F1's yeah. been doing a show called The Inside Line as well. I'm like, you what? <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's difficult to, to get different names. Yeah. It is. Uh, as soon as I came up with it, I, I kind of Googled it and to see if there was any podcasts. And luckily yeah. I couldn't find one and I thought I've got to got to take advantage of this. Really. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's not going to be F1 because there's purple in it. So Yeah, they're purple. Yeah, that's purple, yeah. but you know, for MotoGP, I thought if, the, if there's one called Red Sector already, I'll be, I'll be kicking myself. But Nailed it. Buy, buy, buy a domain for like for six quid. So yes, I'll tries to. to buy it. Yeah. If someone go tries to buy it, you can no. go, yeah, sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> 600 quid, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the other uh, name option I came up with was the High Side Podcast. But everybody's going to say something like high side or something, aren't they? Or the low, mm. the low side and that, aren't they? Eh? Like yeah. It's, it's yeah. just like, fuck, someone's done it already, bastards. Yeah. But the it's main thing is, like if the, you're the best. Yeah. Yeah, true. Yeah, it's, exactly. In terms of names, though, it's like the, um, the, the the small documentaries that they did for, like, different GP riders, like the off the racing line. Do you remember what like, they did with, like, Miguel yeah. and Jack and people like that? Yeah, it's like coming up with a name for that is like what's already not been done that you cannot sound too generic, but not too. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? Yeah, you got to be catchy and things like that. I think it's yeah, it's quite difficult. I can't remember whether who named those because I I wasn't a part of like the production or anything like that. But I think but they always ask the Brits like, could you help with us naming this, please? And uh, so normally I have a saying I can't remember about that one, but yeah, off the racing line is quite a generic one. Eh? Good one. Mm. Flows off the tongue well, but yeah, na- naming stuff's hard, eh? Like, mm-hmm. <sighs> but as I say, all that matters is if you're the best. So that's true. Yep. Yeah, um, so uh, quickly going go- back to the 500 cc slash thousand cc question. Sure. Um, one thing I did have uh, another question I did have is your favorite era. Um, I can imagine it probably will be a thousand cc. Um, I'll throw mine out there simply because I was born in 1994, same as you. So we're probably roughly the same age, I can imagine. Yeah. Um, and for me, like, I guess my first introduction was was it the 800cc era? Um, so who was that? Uh, when did that come in? Was that 2000? 800 have been 2007. Yeah. 2007. Now, for me personally, I love the new 1000cc era. Like it's probably becoming fastly become my favorite, but maybe due to nostalgia a bit for me, the 800 has something about it. You know, with the Lorenzo Rossi battles with the likes of Stono on the scene and stuff like that. Um, but I wondered your take on it. Why, you know, if 1000cc is your favorite, you've kind of already explained it, but if you wanted to kind of elaborate a little bit on that. Yeah. I think, um, I think what it is right now is like, yeah, this is the, it's accumulation of how it's all just become so much closer. Uh, that is why this era is sort of kind of my favourite. I think if I was looking at um, retrospective, uh, retrospectively, nostalgically, for me, I started watching MotoGP in the first in the early two thousands. So I didn't pay that much attention. To be fair, I think one of the first races I actually remember properly watching was um, Barcelona two thousand and nine. And um, oh yeah, so obviously I'd say Andre CC one of the greatest r- races <laughs> yeah of all time, right? I remember screaming on the sofa watching it, like couldn't believe it, etc. Um, 
but I did like the 990s um, if I was thinking of like a golden era for me in, in things that I've seen in my lifetime rather than I'm not one of those people who even though I was born in 94 I'll go and watch the the uh, yeah, 500s yeah. and the 80s and go oh that's the best and it's like no, you weren't even alive. You weren't. I think you need to sort of be present to fully Those understand were the days. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't think it would be in my place to to look back then and be like, oh, that's my favorite. That's the best era there ever was. Because like, I wasn't mm. around at that time. I wasn't around the culture. I didn't understand it. Um, I think I think that's sort of kind of weird. But there aren't too many people who say things like that, anyways. But in terms of ones that I've experienced, um, the early two thousands, because the early early to mid two thousands in the nine nineties was the best in motorcycle racing history there was. It was the peak, I think, of bike racing. Yeah, superbikes was uh, starting to go on the downer, like from about two thousand and four onwards. But still, like the two thousand one, two, three of superbikes was amazing. Uh, British superbikes as well. They still had wild cards and world superbikes were actually doing something and like just felt like the world really gave a shit about motorbike racing and that was super cool. Um, so yeah, that that for me would be like my my favorite era. But thousands now, yeah, like come on, how how close are they all coming across the line in Qatar? Like, does it get any better? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, in the intro, we gave a couple explanations or a couple examples of what you do in MotoGP, what else do you do? Because, like, I know some of the uh, uh, YouTube videos, like, um, I saw the one where, uh, uh, who was it, Sam Lowe's and DG were on at uh, Saxon Ring together. I saw yeah. you in the intro of that. You know, what yeah. else do you do in the paddock? Uh, so those, so my, like, first job for, like, MotoGP in general was social media editor. So I did the... um. Uh, the tweeting, the posting, post. I just basically posted everything to the social media channels, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Um, and then that was all me in my first year, 2016, 2017, got somebody else on board um, to, to do with that. And then 2018, um, uh, the team expanded and I got the position in, in commentary when there was a reshuffle after Nick Harris retired and that. Um, but the ambition was to, I was, my heart sort of in social media and sort of being able to, promote the sport uh, in the most effective means of communication possible, uh, which it happens to be social media and digital content. So that's the thing I'm most passionate about. That's always the thing which I try to, even though I've been going more towards commentary, I've always been trying to like cling on to that. Um, and mm-hmm. so my even my first year, I would go and do, um, what was it called? It was like a video. Uh, so I tried to step into... Uh, producing more digital content on site. So I was doing like the Instagram stories from on site. I still do a couple of those now, but very much less this year because everything else has been going on. COVID restrictions, less people on site. I, I had to sort of say with certain things like I'm not doing that because otherwise I'm just going to be getting in a whirlwind and not getting out of it. But I still do some, uh, I take some photos for the Instagram stories on Wallpaper, one, uh, Wallpaper Wednesday. Um, but those this year, for example, yeah, I do the production of, um, I sort of coordinate, send emails um, to the teams to coordinate past the mic. And then also the show they do with that, I Remember When. So that's what you saw with Sam Lowe's and Deidre on the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Um, I then coordinate with the cameraman because uh, the social media digital content team has its own, has two cameramen on a Thursday just for us and then one for the rest of the weekend. So I do his timetable, coordinate with the video production managers what they want to uh, record throughout the weekend so those long form mini documentaries you see that are coming out now like Jack Miller's Tell of Redemption yeah. the Martin Marquez one uh, I'm the one who says to the cameraman right here this session you go here this session you go there 
blah, 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 blah. Um, it sounds more complicated than it is sometimes. Sometimes it's so straightforward. I just have to like copy paste the message that I said the day before. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's the that's sort of thing I do there. Then organizing the podcast, um, like sending emails to the press officers to to ask that. Me and Fran talk together about organizing it, the interview questions. Um, then we share the um, the promotional aspect of it. So we go through transcribe the episode pick the key bits out what do we want as an article on mojb.com what do we want as an extract on the instagram uh, feed and things like that so um yeah a fair amount i mean this year's been a lot more commentary um i wasn't expecting yeah. to be doing rebel rookies this year but then uh their current their, their usual commentator got stuck out in new zealand um and so <laughs> couldn't make it and then uh, so I took that on too. And with that, you know, it's an extra series, extra level of knowledge, extra research. I was like, right, I'm going to calm down a lot of the other things I'm doing. So now I mainly just do the pass the mic podcast on the Thursday. Uh, I saw the what really happens when I coordinate that too. Um, and what else do I do? Well, Motor We Live previews, all that, all that kind of jazz, basically. So basically, what don't you do? Should have been yeah. question. Uh, That's what yeah. you should have asked. No, no. To be fair, there's like there's there's so much going on all the time. Like there's so many things. Like the amount of content. If I'm really honest, um, it's probably too much content. Um, I don't know. Like, for, if if I was at the helm, I wouldn't do as much. But for just personal mm. reasons, just how I do it. You know, we have a different thing. But the results that you know that get uh, produced because of it. You know the the analytics, the you know the revenue that you get from from producing various series mm. and things like that, and all this different content, like it's absolutely justifiable, and we all have to work as hard as possible. Um, but yeah, it's it's so much going on, and it's, so it's not just I'm involved in quite a lot of things, but man, there's like for for me, there's then five other people there and ten other people there. Like the social media team's got like eighteen people in it now. I think if you think about all the people who directly work on the social media team across telegram tiktok youtube um facebook instagram twitter uh what other social media even snapchat and stuff like that you know like to cover all those to actually have that you need you can't just have one person per platform you, you know it's, in that it's like a, just a whole massive tree so i do a lot but there's also a hell of a lot of other people doing doing way more than i do way longer days yeah social media is relentless in it it's a relentless yeah. beast that never stops especially if you look at the rise of tiktok of the last couple yeah. of years and lockdown and how how huge that has been for exposure and brands and and people jumping on that and yeah it's just think... it's something you can't you can't no big company whether it be f1 or MotoGP or people like that they can't just rest on rest on the laurels with social media they've got to keep pushing they've got to keep innovating and moving forward and things yeah. like that I think I think I'm when I say like if it was up to me at the helm I wouldn't do as much. I think it's because I look at it from just a personal point of mm. view of like yeah. if I was if I was an individual like you guys, like you guys are individual creators in in the MotoGP space. If I was like you, uh, I wouldn't be trying to spread myself completely thinly across all platforms. Yeah. Because you are three people. Mm-hmm. Um but whereas when you do have these teams one team there one team there team there team there team there actually you actually can do that sort of thing and as a brand yeah you have to you have to do that sort of thing to to stay relevant you can never post enough content put it that way no mm-hmm. yeah so. totally agree um i suppose on from that then my question from what you've just been on about would be more so 
like what made you get into the paddock like what what was it that you obviously you're a big fan of the sport and everything and your passion is bikes but what made you think yeah you know what that's for me and how did you get into the paddock in general through that like through into Dorna or whether that be through um, contact or you know yeah it was well it was a mix of a lot of things actually i've told i told the story a couple of times i think um but i, I can't remember, i can never remember how much detail i go into whether i mix these things out because like everything it's a really long everything is a long process it takes time doesn't nothing happens overnight um but i would say like the actual time when i took direction going towards trying to work in in motorsport in general not necessarily motor gp motor gp was actually off my radar because it just seems so far out of reach um it just seemed like astronomically like don't even think about it it's not a possibility um but in 2011 i started contributing to a, a blog or which was just like on twitter uh, a guy called ollie rushby um had this blog called in the gravel again and um he he now works for potsky media and they do they have lots of clients like yamaha uk and that so he's he's been a professional in the industry for some years now but his blog in the gravel again i contributed a singular blog to that it wasn't that great but the topic the headline was like about i think it's about like mobile where motor gp should go and race and they should go to places like um because i'm really big into geography and socioeconomics and things like that or i was during college um and uh which is where i was in 2011 yeah yeah 2011 and a long um, time ago <laughs> i know yeah tell me about it and uh and i said um yeah oh, motor gp should go to brazil uh where else are the brick countries what's the r russia i don't know uh I, India, and then C, China, I think China. Like, you go to things like the British countries because they're, like, booming economics. It wasn't a very good article, but um, it got me a bit more of a presence to talk to people on Twitter, to talk to people like David Emmett and Ian Wheeler, who's a very uh, respected press officer, works for Yamaha Communications Coordinator now. And I would just, like, always chip in my opinion on with those guys on Twitter, and then eventually um, this Twitter account called Paddock Chatter came around, um, I then became a part of that because the guy who started it, Tim Teal, decided to, um, he was like, oh, it's too much to keep up talking about racing news all the time. And he used to do these things called Twinterviews. So we would carry out interviews with people on Twitter, managed to do Randy Depunier's ex-wife, Lauren Vickers first. And then she sort of like helped elevate the following to about 4,000 followers. And I think that's when I uh, took it over along with a guy called Dave Neal and then Alana Fellows. Dave now works doing stuff in BSB with Rich Energy Racing um he's got a podcast too then alana works for bt sport now after being in world superbikes um worked on paddock chatter for quite a few years got it around to about twenty-five thousand followers all of us together then when motor gp did this influencer inverted commas program called uh, the motor gp buzz project to basically promote uh this subsection of the motorgp.com website sponsored by motul they needed influencers to promote the hashtag motor gp buzz so they got uh, they asked Paddock Chatter to attend the British Grand Prix in 2015 um, to have paddock passes, do some special guest things. They got a safety car ride, pit lane access, take some photos, go to Park Fermé when the race was won. How cool was that? And so I got invited to do that because Alana was already working for Paddock Chatter under a media pass because she was also working for a local paper, uh, like yeah, some like Gloucestershire paper about Danny Kent. So I was the one who managed to get this guest pass like guest of Dorna and I was like guided by one of my future bosses around like pit lane going to see things getting photos I think all the photos are still up on the um the paddock chatter Instagram page which is now like not used anymore uh let me just see actually is it still live uh yeah it is still there to so go to as well 
the 20th. Yeah, yeah, oh, mate, look, this I, you guys can see on camera, people listening can't see it, but I got that photo of Rossi and Petrucci having a hug in part of Fermi. Oh. Um, uh-huh. so, so if you, people listening go and type in Paddock Chassis, you can see the photos from there, right? Um, and like, we got a really cool one of Rossi. It was one of his last oh, victories. Nice. Like, really, yeah, nice, nice shit. And um, basically, the guys, Dawn, were looking for a new social media editor, and they were like, "Oh, do you? Um, would you ever consider moving?" First, I was like, oh, "Not really. I don't want to move to Barcelona and work in an office. I didn't really know how feasible it was. I was 21, just out of uni." And then I said yes eventually. Um, I, well, I said yes, I would like to, and then they're like, "Right, send us your CV." So I sent my CV, got an interview went over to Barcelona to the office to do like a trial weekend when it was the 2015 Aragon GP, uh, got the job and then just started, um, did the flyaways where I was doing text updates for the app, um, MotoGP.com app. Back then they had actual text updates. This was on it's, like 2015. This is, this is 2015, not even that long ago, but it feels I know. how crazy. Ancient. It was like, like I, I should, I mean, already that was a big, but I think they knew at the time like we shouldn't really be doing this, but they had to be because still like it was still quite the traditional modes of communication at that point. Mm. They're like, you have to do text updates still. I was like, guys, no one's listening or watching these fucking text updates about the fucking race. <laughs> like and eventually got through to them. And um because at one point when I yeah, I did those in the flyaways, then I actually moved to Barcelona. And in my first I moved to Barcelona and my first day was the day after the um Valencia Grand Prix twenty fifteen. That was my first day at work. <laughs> That's Deep some day to have as a yeah. first day. Yeah, exactly. Deep like, um, so fire. <laughs> I know. Well, I did get to go and watch it in the in the office because I didn't have TV set up in the house I was living in at the time. So I was like, "Can I come to the office and come and come and watch?" They were like, "Yeah, sure." Um, and uh, yeah, so then like 2016, doing the Twitter updates and things like that. Um, even some of those first races, I think the first half of the year, you know. I was doing the live tweets, tweeting the updates about what was going on the track and then doing the updates for that bloody app. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure tweeting, I had like... the app and just turned all the text updates off. If I, if memory serves me right, I've yeah, had probably. the app for years. I'm pretty sure we, um... if that would have came up, I would have been like, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you've just been like, don't need this. Were you yeah. doing a Morse code update as well? Yeah, but yeah, I might as well have been. Yeah, with my other with my third hand, right? Um, so yeah, that's that's so that's the story of how how I basically got into that. Like, um, kind of like what I say to everybody, like who wants to get a job in motorsports. If you want to get motorsports mm. communications, you need to become a creator of sorts. Back then in 2011 yeah. to 2015, being a creator was actually doing those live tweets, doing your opinions, taking photos of races, doing just slightly things which now like posting a photo with a tweet back then was revolutionary yeah. revolutionary um whereas even now from, that's from like your a... story yeah i was gonna say even from your story like the the evolution of social media in the last five or six years has been crazy mm. absolutely phenomenal it's, it's changed so much it's a totally different landscape now exactly so that's, that's that's what i love about people like you guys doing doing a podcast like this it's so worthwhile you know it doesn't matter if um it doesn't matter if like 200 people listen to it every episode doesn't matter if 20 people listen to it every episode like putting yourself out there putting your voice out there actually doing something is just so important if that's what you want to be doing because you never know where it might lead remember i told you like mm. i didn't even expect to get and work in MotoGP. never literally never expected it ever 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 so yeah worth doing yeah I, i've always looked at that the same way when i was listening to you talk that i talked through that I literally thought myself like as a kid growing up 
and you know seeing all rossi and stoner and all these massive guys thinking in what world would i ever get in a position to work for anything close to that and you just summarized yourself that's how you saw yourself 10 years ago you know and then years come by you're almost questioning is it worth you know the move to barcelona and this and that and working your way up the ladder to get there and it is so crazy that you've literally looked at it as though that's impossible it's like Mm. I do this, 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 this massive company. And it's it's amazing how, like you say, it's like you don't want to spread yourself too thin. But to think back, if you'd have said to yourself, you'd be doing that much now for MotoGP and under like, I know it's like under Dorna and whatnot, but like still MotoGP, that must be so surreal to think back if you'd have told yourself that in 2011 when you were looking at it in that way of like, that's impossible. Yeah, yeah, I thought um, I thought I was going to end up in BSB, or actually, then I decided I didn't even want to work in BSB when I left uni. I actually applied for a job as a lifeguard, and then actually got rejected from it. Um, I then I, I I then applied to be uh, events events executive at Brands Hatch, where they were like going to offer like, and they said, "Oh, you you put your estimations of what you think your salary should be on there." So I was like, "Well, I'd have to move because I live in Southampton with my parents, so I wouldn't move for anything less than twenty three grand." And they were like. Oh well, we can't have you then. It's too expensive. Yeah, oh, we were thinking crazy. more like twelve, and I was like, "You want to pay someone twelve? You're joking." <laughs> yeah, like so. That's that's not yeah. So like when at that point I was like, "Shit, what's gonna happen?" Like, I just got rejected from a lifeguard. I think I wanted to be a triathlon coach. I was well into triathlon then as well. Um, so I was even thinking of trying to do something like that, just like your local triathlon coach at a random triathlon club <laughs> and stuff so yeah you, you never know what's around the corner so just keep just always like doing stuff like this always worth keep plugging away yeah so i, I mean you pretty much answered one question there but if you weren't in moto gp where do you <laughs> think you'd be well i decided now that um, if if i yeah, yeah, yeah. If I if I left now, I'd go and be a lifeguard. No, no. My thing now is actually if I if I left MotoGP, I'd go and be a landscape gardener, uh, just like being outdoors and and doing something because that's creative and stuff, and probably some quite good money too. Mm-hmm. Um. So like, uh, yeah. But if I, but you know, I mean, who knows? If 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 that, I, I used to work with Birds of Prey as well, actually. So that was like my first love. You probably heard it on the really? on the um. Wow. Yeah. If you, well, that was a voluntary position with like some sort of cash in hand. Uh, work um because that was i was only what 15 16 yeah stopped it when i moved so uh when i was decided so it like 16 to uh to when i was 21 um bird of prey displays and things like that so maybe i would have carried that on um studied a bit more like biology zoology and then work with birds of prey more that would be something i think interesting yeah um so in your role then um do you think we know that Amazon Prime are doing some kind of Drive to Survive-esque series on MotoGP. How do you think that will affect the popularity of of MotoGP? And how do you think it will affect how you deal with and view social media and, and things like that? Because if, if Drive to Survive has shown us anything, that, that deluge on, that we've seen of fans and people on, say, Twitter who were from Drive to Survive, who have become F1 fans from Drive to Survive, that's really, really increased kind of the the viewership and the, the fan base somewhat. Do you think it'll have a similar effect on MotoGP? 
That's a really good question. Um, I've um, we talk about this a fair bit. Um, I know some of the people involved. Um, it's really annoying that you said like, any details. Any no, because they they won't tell me a thing. They're nope. on such strict NDAs. Like I even had like I've even had like private coffees with them just to catch up, like about like proper off the cuff yeah. stuff. And I'm like, so go on. What's the most juicy thing you've heard? And he literally just goes. <laughs> I ain't fucking telling you. I was like, oh. <laughs> so, yeah, they won't say anything at all. So I have absolutely no idea what's been caught. The only thing that I do know is like I see the the cameras um, and things like that. I see them going into basically all the boxes now. I've seen I counted up in Barcelona because the company's span is Spanish based. I saw six different teams of camera crews, um, and then but normally there's around four five ish. So, like, it's going to be pretty comprehensive. It's not, um, in terms of the production value, if you care about that sort of stuff, it's not the same cameras they use in Netflix. So, like, there's no one with yeah. a massive stabilization rig and, like, a camera there. Yeah. It's like, but, st- like, who who cares, man? Like, it, there's still going to be no. some really cool stories. Um, I don't mm. know. Like, I don't know how, um, like, I, I have Amazon Prime. Um, I have Netflix. But I don't know what the distribution of people watching Amazon Prime is. I don't know how mm. much it really affects culture like Netflix does. Um, is it actually going on Amazon Prime? I guess it is, right? Is that is that like a public yeah, thing? Yeah, I haven't I think, so, I think... so if it goes on Amazon, I know it's, well, I don't know. It's, I don't think it's going to be going on Netflix, that's for sure. So if it goes on Amazon Prime, like, it will have a massive cultural value. Um, but I don't know. It, it, really, it really depends. I think it depends on... Um, it's it's a real tough one. Um, I like to think it would have a similar effect. Um, I think the stories in MotoGP are any bit as good as F1. Yeah. I think something which holds MotoGP back is um, in terms of... So basically what? So F1, Drive to Survive, basically like took over the world because it really appealed to the American audience. Mm. Best thing about that is you've got... Everyone is a phenomenal English speaker to really articulate yeah. their mm. thoughts yeah. so deeply at such a deep level that th- they can tell really good stories with it. If MotoGP can do the same, then I don't see why it wouldn't make uh, such a splash mm. in, in general culture. But F1 goes, F1 has so much resources disposable to yeah. try and make that dent in global culture. They don't, they don't, they don't just want to be like a big sport. They want to be a part of the global conversation. Mm. Um, and that's why it's like if you if you're looking at a MotoGP versus F1 point of view, that's why Silverstone is really fucking annoying because not only do they have yeah. the stories, they also had the actual racing down to the wire and like first yeah. drama and last that drama was like amazing. That is the perfect recipe to break into like global culture. Um, and yeah, it's, a MotoGP should have the same, but will they? Will the with the interviews? and the storytelling and everything like that, I like to think it will be able to be told in a similar way and the communication will be articulated um, thusly that it will have the same impact as F1. I mean, that would be freaking phenomenal, wouldn't it? Yeah. I guess we don't know who who's going to be taking part in it or all the teams taking part or only a few, you know, hopefully uh, like the likes of Rossi Aris. Mm. But I guess we'll have to wait and see because, of course, if you're going off drive to survive, I think Ferrari and Mercedes kind of didn't participate in the first season. Mm. So I don't know if there's going to be teams who think, actually, we're not getting involved or we'll have to I wait like, and see. But well, Again, I, I like to think that because of Drive to Survive, like all the teams would go, yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> let's do it, you know. Yeah, let's um, let's get involved. Yeah. The only thing is, I, maybe maybe they do because I saw today uh, it looked like a similar film crew set up on the in, Ducati Instagram stories at Mizano. Um, so that would be something special too if they can actually. Yeah. Look, I don't know. If, I mean, don't. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I implore people listening to go and check. Um, but I'm, I did look like with the with the boom mics and then the actual camera equipment mm. set up. It looked like a similar crew over at Mizano today with the Ducati riders team building thing. Okay. So, so maybe, yeah. maybe they're actually going to to visit them at home and things like that too, which which would add another that's, dynamic. That's really, really good. Cool. Yeah. So yeah, I, I guess if if Ducati let them have sort of that sort of access, who Ducati are notoriously like don't come near us. Just a bit like Honda and Yamaha, all of them pretty much, <laughs> apart from Aprilia, who are a bit more open. Um, maybe that's uh, uh, maybe that's going to be a good thing. Okay, so bearing in mind, we're, we're a little bit um, strict on time, so we're going to ask a couple more questions uh, before we finish. Uh, no worries. Um, um, okay, so I suppose a very important one is, I suppose, because this, this kind of explains where maybe like the love for MotoGP came from. Who would you say is? I know everyone's going to just go like, who's your like main idol? But is there like a particular like rider, or is there like a certain team, or maybe a specific area with a bunch of riders, or a specific rivalry that made you go, yeah, that that for me has has tipped it, like Barcelona with Rossi Lorenzo, or is it just a specific rider that you grew up and just loved? Um, uh, World Superbikes in the late nineties. And early 2000s, that was for me, um, because um, there was this uh, YouTube channel um, that might still be around. I don't know whether Dawna took it down or not, <laughs> uh, called uh, WSBK Archives. Let's have a look. Uh, WSBK Archives had all these, like, oh, last lap battles. It is. Um, it's still, is it still there. Apparently. No way. Okay, no, no one t- no one show any of my bosses this, uh, this, uh, <laughs> <laughs> this podcast. But seriously, like, everyone, it's a freaking goldmine. World Superbikes 1999 Teams and Riders Introduction. Oh! Wow. Then you got 1999 Mizano Race 2 Recap, 11 minutes. Laguna Seca Qualify, 1999. Uh, 1997 Teams and Riders Introduction. No shit. In my of Communications classes when I was 16, I would wow. literally not pay attention at all. I'd choose the computer that was <laughs> facing away from the teacher and I'd just watch these videos all freaking day. You know, watching Slight, Fogarty, Keeley, Troy Bayless, Colin Edwards. Ben Bostrom, Ben Bostrom particularly, he was cool as they get. Um, that was that was my my era. But I I never went to World Superbikes until how old was I? Uh, did I go? I went in Silverstone two thousand and three when Neil Hodgson was winning because it was always so expensive. I always went to British Superbikes. So um, Neil McKenzie, Steve Hislop, uh, then Steve Plater, then Greg Levia were all my heroes growing up. So those guys, not not nothing to do with MotoGP, just those guys. Yeah. <laughs> you absolutely nerding out there gives me kind of the impression that what I think <laughs> Matt looks at me like when I sit there going, look at this, look at this, going through all the videos <laughs> like 2003 and four, and even before that, before, like you said earlier, like I show Matt like different riders and racers before I was born. And Matt's like, I have no idea what you're talking about, but I'm like, no, 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 check it out, <laughs> check it out. And I wasn't even yeah. born when it happened, but it's funny. I was having um, I had this conversation with my other half the other day about um, like some people get really sort of arsy about um, you know respecting the past and things like this. Like there's, there's sort of a notion, particularly in like the F1 community, you find on Twitter, they're like, oh, if you don't know this race and this driver from like the 90s, 80s, 70s, you're not a real fan if you don't know that story. Yeah. 
fuck out yeah. of here. Like, that's, that's <laughs> not, it doesn't make you any less of a fan. But I tell you what, like, if I'm telling you about these things, it's because I think, given that we have this shared interest, you would enjoy that. But I don't think yeah. you're obligated to then watch it. Just, hey, if you get some spare yeah. time, this is well worth watching, you know? Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> that, I think you've, you've resonated <laughs> what every real motorsport fan sees that and goes yeah exactly what yeah. you just said copy and paste like i might just click <laughs> that and reply to everybody i see on twitter doing it just be like get the fuck out of it there you are <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. doesn't make you any less of a fan and don't let anybody tell you that we all enjoy it the same yeah yeah so uh for the my last question uh you are an avid bird person yeah so can you please rate my bird <gasps> 10 out of 10. Oh my goodness, what breed is it? I don't wow. know. He <laughs> yeah, is a he... Myers parrot. A Myers parrot. Has uh, he, he been sat there the whole time? Uh, my wife went and got him about five minutes ago. <laughs> He's a big it. fan. That's He's so heard about you. Yeah. I've, is... I've had him 21 years. No I got him way. when I was 10 oh. years old. Oh my goodness. Crazy. Oh. And I bet he absolutely he will... loves you, doesn't he? And probably shits on his shoulder. He will sit here and be an asshole for the rest <laughs> of the episode. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. I think, do you know what? I think it'd be a great spin off YouTube series, like his reactions to like things or him basically <laughs> sat in front of a camera, but you yeah. give him a voiceover and get him to talk through things that have happened in Mergy GP. <laughs> That'd be amazing. I'd watch it. You get all your watch time hours from me. <laughs> Does the bird think Quattarari should have been penalized for the leathers thing at Catalonia? Oh, yeah. Controversial. Yeah. <laughs> The bird, the bird says, "Just follow the rule book, and you'll find your answer." As soon as we knew that you were coming on, Matt, like our Matt was like, "I am getting the bird on, no matter what." And I was like, "You, <laughs> yeah." If there's going to be one person to bring the bird on for the podcast, you, you know, we see it all the time on Twitter and whatnot. Like, you, I think there was something at Assen where one of the cameramen picked up like a really small bird in the gravel trap. And I, I yeah. saw it before you retweeted it, and I was like, Matt will retweet this. 100%. Yes. <laughs> yeah. will retweet you know, this. I find something <laughs> hilarious with my Twitter following because I don't really have any followers. I don't I don't do any putting in my bio of what I do and things like this. I just, I also do it as a bit of like a test of like, do people actually give a shit about what I say? And so sometimes I get a couple of new followers. And then I, I often get so many unfollows because clearly people like would hear me on, <laughs> hear me on the commentary and go, I'm Matt's commentator. I'm going to follow him on Twitter for Motor GP Insights. And then the only insights they get is me retweeting about if there's bird life on the world feed or if I see like some cute bird pick, meaning actual feathered birds, not misogynistic <laughs> women comment, um, on like some RSPB nature reserve in the UK or some falconry centre. If I see one there, I retweet it and then they just go, this is what I signed up for, unfollow. <laughs> you know, and I'm like... I didn't advertise this. Brilliant. I didn't advertise MotoGP updates. I just advertised that this is my my personal channel and that's what i like so it sits there very comfortably eh? very chilled mm -hmm. he's so enjoying awesome. it yeah absolutely loving it he's like he's just heard you say that then he's like <laughs> yeah you are I'm just like yeah <laughs> damn right yeah exactly everyone listening cool. is probably well, like what's going on <laughs> yeah exactly do you guys um, get do you guys get many comments back and things like that to people to people engage and stuff like yeah, that we'll we get to... yeah we get a bit of engagement we get some awesome. some feedback and questions and stuff um, awesome. One final question from me, which should be a quick one. It might be oh, tough, worry. but um, so what is your favorite bike livery of all time? Oh, oh God. 
Oh my god, how could you ask such a question? Um, because he likes to start wars between Bano and I. Uh, <laughs> I want to take your opinion on this. If he I says the one livery I love, I swear to god, this is going to be <laughs> Do you know what? I actually think it is probably the Sterile Guard Yamaha Ben Spee's 2009 World Superbikes. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. What about yeah. favorite GP livery out of interest? Um, hmm. That's a really good question. I don't think he'll say it. I don't think he'll say it, but no. The one the one that was never properly used, it was the Yamaha 50th anniversary. Uh yellow oh, yeah. one with the speed oh. blocks that Rossi rode at Goodwood, and then I think they had Nakasuga that year in Mategi on yeah. it. That one. Quite close to mine, to be fair. The what was yellow, yours? I know it's exactly my my favorite like actual livery, not like an anniversary or anything like that, is the Camel 06 Yamaha. Mm, like, you know the, very nice. the the Rossi one, yeah. Oh, thank very you. Very I'm glad. I'm glad you like it because Matt absolutely Hello. hates it, and we've had really okay wars on I... Twitter over it. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the all yellow. It's just uh, so, like I live in Pittsburgh, we're black and gold, but just something <laughs> about all yellow really just like doesn't. Well, I think... like, <laughs> I think your little bird friend there said, what, what is it you yeah, don't like he, about he yellow big fella? Shut up. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like, have you not seen my head? It had, literally has yellow yeah. all over it. And you don't like yellow? Yeah, out of here. He looks but, like he's even got yellow yeah, speed whatever. on his wings. Yep, that's how you know he's a male. Oh, brilliant. Oh, um, well, there you go. I learned something new. What was the breed again? Just tell me, just tell me so I can remember it. Um, Myers Parrot. A Myers Parrot. Myers Parrot. <laughs> M-E-Y-E-R-S. I love it. That is so cute. What a, yeah, what whenever a uh, there was a post on Twitter that started that whole debate, and I've only been following MotoGP for the last two years. Okay. Awesome. Um, so it's weird because really I'm the oldest. Then. I'm the oldest, but I've only been following for two years. Bono is the youngest and is basically our you know, MotoGP encyclopedia. He was born with a VR46 shirt on. so Pretty much. <laughs> but, uh, awesome. So when I got asked, I basically could go like look at the two years that I've been following. I'm like, what's the the Patronus bike? I mean, it, to be fair, it's a beautiful blend of colors. Yeah, I mean, I'm a Red Bull guy, but I mean, if a Red Bull is is the same in every category, whether it's F1, it's you know MotoGP, it's you know uh, dirt bikes, they're pretty much all the same. It's the same blue and orange and where the Patronus mm. bike is this like blend of black and teal and silver yeah. and a little bit of red in there. That's so. nice, right? Yeah, no, I'm a no. To be fair, I think the current grid has literally got uh, probably one of the some of the, some all time great liveries on them. To be honest with you, like, yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the Ducati, the current Ducati mm-hmm. and last year's Ducati. Mm-hmm. I really, really yeah. like it. Yeah, with the black That's and everything else too. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't, mm. I wasn't too fussed about like the 2016. Ducati with the red and white so much. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I mean, having said that, I loved that back in the day, superbikes and things like that. The Ducati nine 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 in race trim was was probably one yeah. of my favorite bikes ever. It was really awesome. Yeah. Okay. Quickly then, before we finish, uh, from sure. from me, Matt, I want your dream team. So you get to pick two riders. They can be from any era. Oh my god! And you get to pick any one bike. <laughs> yeah, one bike, and you oh can choose god. a livery. Like that is, you don't have to go with, you know, you can go for a bike for its yep. sound maybe or for a performance, uh-huh, uh-huh, and then pick a uh-huh. livery, 
And then if you okay, really want, you so... can pick a, a principal if you like. You don't have to, but mainly just those. <laughs> okay, principal as well. Brilliant. All right, <laughs> if sweet. you want. No, it's, 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 and your mechanics I understand. as well. Whenever I ask, um, whenever I ask riders, like, oh, I've got a quick fire question for you, and they go, "That's not a quick fire question." I say, "No, the questions, the answer is quick once you eventually get there." Now I know what they actually mean. Um, yeah. But the bike, bike without question is the Ducati Ten Nine Eight Superbike. Uh, I'll enter that in the MotoGP class um, because it's just the best <laughs> bike ever. Um, the livery would we'll be uh, the Benz, the Benz B Sterilgarda Yamaha livery. Um, the riders would be. Hmm, what do mm. you just go for an all superbike thing and be like, but we'll make it GP? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, no, I'll, I'll pick GP riders. Um, this is really bringing out of me how much I, I actually love historic world superbikes. Because um, I don't watch it now, because otherwise I, because um, otherwise it's too much bikes. Like I, I have to have a weekend off, so I don't actually. I yeah, pay attention yeah. to wins, <laughs> but I, I, don't, I never yeah. watch it. Um, uh, so who did I? Who did I really love from from GPs? I'd have Casey Stoner on it. On that, oh, yeah, of course. that'd be really yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, Casey Stoner, and hmm, I'm very conscious that this is like an audio platform, and so I can't wait too long with silence because otherwise people are just no, don't worry. Go, we, nope. did yeah. we did maybe a game. We did a game last week. Maybe you can jump down. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we did a game last week where Matt was asking me. He gave me three clues of a rider from like the mid '80s and was like, "Guess." And I was just sitting here. And it was just silent. Uh... <laughs> she was sitting there. Yeah, you've so got to try and chop out some of the silent bits, though. Um, yeah, if you take forever, I can clip it. It's fine. Do you know what? Let's move him up. Let's move Pedro Acosta from Murder 3. And I'll be on the with Casey Stoner. Yeah, no. <laughs> Costa and Stoner, Jesus. Just because like, there's like a few people I've been... Uh, there's a couple of accounts for something I've been watching. Oh, it's the Bad Motor GP memes one. Yeah, I was flicking through the Instagram page with them today uh, of theirs today just to look at some of the memes and have a laugh. And they're obsessed with Pedro Costa, so he's on my mind. So let's say Casey and Pedro. <laughs> wow, what a pair! Yeah, I'll pay anything to I'll pay anything to see that battle on track. Yeah, yeah. But let's like let's let's actually put it in real. Like not him now, like him in three years time. Let's put him together. That's scary. Casey Stoner. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's scary. To which Casey Stoner? Twenty eleven, two thousand seven. Say yeah. Which Casey yeah. Stoner would you go for? Two thousand seven or. 2011, Casey, when he's a bit more yeah. mature. And what, still only bloody what? Like, he was 26? 25, I think he was. 24 or something. Yeah. Jesus. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, do, you're, um, <laughs> like, Josh, you're 27 now? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, like, mm-hmm. Kate, by the way, Casey retired with tens of millions in his bank at our age. Think about it. <laughs> it's a <laughs> like, crime. Are you kidding? I'm, I'm, what the fuck? I've still I thought got years I was to well go. Uh, yeah, exactly. I'm 31, yeah. I'm screwed. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, you'll just you just need to jump out of a plane, then you're like Johan Zarco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, awesome. That's a great team, though. That I, that's, that's brilliant. Yeah. That's brilliant. Yeah, pretty random, eh? But hey, oh no, I appreciate you uh, giving me the memories of uh, some classic World Superbikes. I really enjoyed that. Yeah, it's you're what welcome. we strive for around here. Awesome, awesome. So uh, yeah, I think that'll do it for today's episode. Uh, like I said before. Uh, Subscribe, leave a five-star rating, uh, follow us on Twitter, and I think we're going to let Matt do the outro since he's the one who came up with it. So with that. Okay, well, I'll tell you what, then make sure actually in in addition to the five-star reviews, make sure you actually tell them what is your dream lineup then. Uh, ever in MotoGP. What is your dream lineup? Favorite rider could be from any year. You could even chuck a road racer in there. Someone from America, AMA. So put Cameron Bobier in your team. It doesn't matter. 
decide who you want and that's that because then also tweet me it as well because then I'll, I'll actually converse with people because then you know drum up drum up some awareness for the podcast too as well eh? a bit more can't hurt i'm already brainstorming cool. <laughs> nice i was gonna pull names out we've never even heard of yeah most likely so <laughs> awesome well, so, thank you for being on the show anyway. It's hey, really guys, appreciate you, this. That was really, really good fun. Um, I would, uh, yeah, I'd love to come back at some point. Um, might need well, a yeah, bit to have of you back. I need to need to have a, a bit of a holiday first, and then, um, yeah, maybe like, yeah, you know, see how the season actually gets on. Now, the old, you know how the situation is in the UK. So, let's see what um what races we actually mm-hmm. do get, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe yeah. do like a season review one or something like that. Hey. Eh? Yeah, yeah we were thinking that and inviting you on for a, a mini season review. That'd be, yeah, that'd yeah. be brilliant, really. Yeah, awesome. And I'll make sure I'll make sure I give it a retweet or whatever when it and help you guys brilliant. out. So uh, thank you. Yeah. Make sure make sure if people comment, always reply to them, eh? Or actually it's a good thing yeah. actually, which I don't do enough of, but mainly because we mainly because we got really out of sync of um publishing the episodes literally the day before we travel on Wednesdays and the episodes get published on Wednesdays. And then we got really out of sync. And so the episodes get published on Wednesday. We're the next one on Thursday. We've already said on that one that's been published, oh, I'll leave your comments below and we'll read them out the next episode. Yeah. We don't freaking do it. Um, so actually try and try and make sure you actually do that. If one person leaves a yeah. comment, freaking read it out in the episode and, and get them to like message a friend about it because it really, really helps. So um that'd yeah. be that'd be something if I can if I can help you guys out. Actually, tell you what, if you li- also um try and leave some um quick fire question. For last on the breaks, and I'll try and give you a shout out as well. Right? Oh, nice! Yeah, we'll get yeah. that done definitely. Cool. Nice. Cool. Thank right, you. I'm gonna have a shower and go to bed, and uh, and let me know. Let me know when it comes out. So, so I'm... all right. Yeah. We'll yeah, we'll, uh, we'll quote tweet you in the uh, whenever we release it on Twitter. Rad. Can't wait. Thank you so all much, right. guys. Awesome. Really appreciate it. Thank you See for you being here. Awesome, uh, Bye. So with that, keep the throttle pinned. Yeah. <laughs>